Show episode number 228. My name is John Morgan. Cold Coffee is with me, or I am with Cold Coffee, I guess. You are with me. I am at the Casa de Cold Coffee on a beautiful August afternoon here in Las Vegas. Frosty beverages not being consumed today. <laughs> I've got uh, desk duty later today. I'll be covering a little PFL action, so uh, I've got a diet soda from Chipotle. Oh, I got the uh, homebrew coffee over here. Oh, uh, homebrew coffee. Kroger's brand. Kroger's. I didn't even step it up and do the Folgers that I used to get. No, Kroger's, uh, the brown can, medium roast. It's like their special roast or whatever. It's high I have dollar. no idea. Yeah, it's total high dollars. I think I think it's like $5 for a 50-gallon bucket <laughs> or something. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a large, it's a large tin for roughly about five-ish bucks, but... You know, stay true to my uh, Ohio roots with the Kroger brand. You know. By the way, using your stylish one championship yes. uh, mug there, I will say this: it is one hell of a coffee cup. I, say what the you lid, will. The lid is kind of this doesn't work. Say what you but. will about one championship. <laughs> I, I, you know, some people like them, some people don't. But I will say, when they came to town and they had a press conference and they handed out those coffee mugs. Those are some fine coffee mugs. There's something about the weight of it, just the way it fits the in weight, your hand. The weight, and then the, the it's it's metal. Uh, it's got the plastic lid with the the thing that slides to open it and close. That's kind of busted for me, so I end up having to kind of keep holding it right open. That's because I use the shit out of it literally I'm every day. Um, but dude, it keeps the coffee warm, and it's it's nice. Uh, I, I I think it's a good grip size too sure. it's not like a small narrow thing shout out to one championship for their coffee mug uh, whoever, yeah whoever picked that swag out it was awesome swag i think there was a bunch of other shit they it was funny because they're like oh yeah come on in here take this bag it's like what the fuck is this bag and i was like <laughs> is that a is that a coffee cup i was like dude i'll take the greatest <laughs> greatest show up ever i don't even i don't even think i took the rest of my shit home no. but uh well, the coffee cup finds itself in heavy rotation at the morgan household as well man. yeah it's just the good. proper weight I feel bad, uh, Oscar, on one of the trips out of town at the uh, at our Vegas airport. Mm-hmm. I got there. He was already there. I remember seeing his coffee cup on the ground, and then uh, I was like, dude, let's, we got some time. You want to go get a drink? <laughs> you know, we'll start the day. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, he was like, okay. And then when we went over there and got breakfast, and uh, when we went back, on the way back to seat, he's like, "Oh my god, I left my coffee. I left the coffee cup." We're like, "Oh man, it's early. I'm sure it'll still be there." Nope, it was Somebody gone. Jacked. Some woman was sitting there, and it's funny. Like she had her own coffee mug. I was like, "Make sure it's not somewhere else. She could just be hiding it." But somebody ganked it. Uh, somebody saw that and recognized it as a very quality uh, coffee cup. So somebody said, I has must Oscar have Willis it. from the Mac Lives one championship one championship coffee, coffee mug. Wow. It could be anywhere. It was at the airport, so they could be. It could be anywhere in the world right now. Amazing. Well, Who if knows? you know anybody from one championship, ask them for a coffee mug because they're <laughs> solid. I'm just saying. Because they're solid. All right, UFC on ESPN Plus 14 is this week down in Uruguay, or uh, as as you would rather me say it, Uruguay. 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 Uh, we do not have anybody there on site, so we don't have a ton of uh, coverage from the event, but we are doing a little bit. Uh, shout out to Christian Stein, the Portuguese-speaking Christian Stein. He's been picking up some of the... Uh, some of the, the Brazilian fighters that are on that card and doing some interviews. Ah, and we will have obrigado. we will have Jason Silva, uh, our, our phenomenal South American photographer. He will actually be on site. So we'll have ceremonial weigh-in photos. 
uh, and we'll have fight night photos as well on the site. And we'll be covering the card. We'll just be doing it from here. But uh, So not a ton to come from that event, but we will talk about that card in a little bit because it, it isn't the best card ever, but there are a couple fights that you definitely want to pay attention to outside, of course, the title fight with uh, Valentina Shevchenko back in action, putting her belt on the line against Liz Carmouche. But I do feel like this has been a week that's kind of been full of controversy, Cold Coffee. I feel like the... the the uh, the stories of the week have really been centered around controversy and uh, and some some difficult situations, we'll say. Uh, and I want to start out with um, I guess I'll start out with Chris Cyborg. I think that's a good place okay. to start. Now we were yep. at we were at the Contender Series uh, as we are every week. Of course, shout out to uh, Dan Tom uh, for joining us on our pre-shows. If you haven't been checking those out, please do. We still got them for the last. Well, we got three weeks left of the something like that. It's yeah, wrapping up. Last three weeks of the of the contender series. We we go on uh, at four fifteen Pacific time uh, on MMA Junkie on YouTube as well, and we, and we stream a little pre show. Our man Nolan King always comes in with lots of good information. Me and Dan mm-hmm. Tom break it down. Cold coffee's behind the camera, rolling in B roll, rolling in video mm-hmm. packages that the UFC's been giving us. So it's it's pretty cool. But this past week's card was it wasn't a bad card, but it was it just. It was kind of a flat evening. There were no like yep. huge, you know, oh my god moments where you're like, dude, we got to talk about this. Hey, you know, there, there weren't any of those. So afterwards, uh, and on top of that, uh, our winners, two of them were non-English speakers, and uh, one of Herbert Burns actually, he has pretty pretty good English. It's his second language, but his is pretty good. But <laughs> in fact, acted as the translator for one of the non-speaking did. interviews. He did act as a translator. He did, he did, he did good. And he did a pretty good job. Did, did good job. I felt like he was speaking better translating than he was answering the questions on his own. I think he was because it felt like, like he it didn't have to like act a certain way or perceive right? himself. He was just having fun, you know, and. Uh, and, and so it wasn't tell, my imagination. No, right? he seemed like he was in a really good spirit. I was like, wow, he's doing a really, really good job, you know. Uh, and, you know, I think some fighters, who, who likes to talk about themselves all the right. time? So this way, he, I think he was having fun interacting between the two and just being the middleman. But, yeah, yeah his English, I, I was like, wow, this is I going like better, better than what he was trying to play. That's so funny. All right, well, listen, uh, so it wasn't a bad night, like you said, but – Basically, once we got to speak to Dana White, who has been coming back and, and doing little scrums, but we've kind of been keeping the scrums tied to uh, contender series talk. You know, that's kind of, it's keeping kind of it on a, topic. It's kind of an unspoken arrangement, right? That he's there to talk about contender series stuff. But this week, there just wasn't a ton of stuff to talk about. And of course, the New Jersey card had just happened a couple days earlier, but he wasn't there, uh, so there was no post-fight talk with him. So we didn't get to address some of the things that were out there. So. This week, we got to speak to him a little bit about a couple of subjects, and one of the things that was brought up was uh, the cyborg situation and, and you know how he felt about it since that interview came out, since he made it clear that they weren't in the cyborg business any, anymore, uh, and it was our good friend Evie from uh, Globo who kind of broached the subject, and we got a classic Dana White rant. I mean, this is, uh, this is up there with, with any of them in terms of his uh, volume level, volume, in terms sure. of his... Uh, you know, just motioning and his, his animation, I guess you would say. He was very animated. Uh, I guess he wasn't animation. Is that the right word to say that he's animated? Yeah, he's always animated, but I think he's been better <laughs> at holding it back. But, no, he, he definitely got to the point where uh, – because, you know, when Dana, when he gets into it and he starts getting on a topic that he's very passionate about, his his face gets oh, yeah. a little bit redder and his voice gets louder. Um so he was ready to talk about it. You know, I think he had the Laura Senko interview, but this was only the second time 
after where the I guess first time after the lower Senka where right. anybody's said anything where he had a chance to address it. So I definitely think he was uh, more than happy to to do it. Didn't it didn't drag it, didn't, it out of him. Yeah, it didn't feel like he was like, oh, I can't believe you guys are asking this. He was like, okay. I know, already know what I'm going to say, and and let's do it. And, and I think it was by the poking and prodding, or what Dana perceived a little bit of poking and prodding, that he started getting a little more animated. Uh, you know, the whole, you know, you guys got to get it in your head. You know, blah blah blah. And it was like, oh, okay, now he's now he's really starting to go. You know, I'm sure everybody by now has seen at least at least pieces of this, but we figured uh, let's go ahead and play it in all its glory because it's a it's a pretty strong rant. So here is Dana White speaking to us in the media about the Chris Cyborg situation. Then we didn't get to talk to you after the Cyborg news, you know. Uh, what did you really make you have the decision to uh, release her? Was the, that video that she posted related to your decision? It, just a lot of things, you know. Um, dealing with her has been a nightmare the entire time she's been here. Um, you know, and, and I said the other day in the interview with Laura, there, there was a lot of controversy bringing her in in the first place. It, at that time and uh, and when I did the interview with Laura we really didn't mention the whole um, her lying on the on the, on the video about what I said her production team lying about what I said on the video it's just been it's 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 been a bad experience dealing with cyborg from day one um, you know, we brought her in after she tested positive for steroids and got done with that. We, we made her a clean athlete with the best drug testing policy in all of sports the entire time she was here, which when you talk about, when she talks about her legacy and her brand, right? Her legacy and her brand, nothing's better than knowing that she's a clean athlete after testing positive for steroids and all the negativity that surrounded her about being a dirty athlete, right? We bring her in here, we do all this stuff, and she was just never happy. Never happy, complaining about everything. She was a nightmare to deal with. And at the end of the day, she knows, I know, Amanda Nunes knows, I tried to make that Nunes fight. She doesn't want it. She doesn't want it. And she gets mad when I say I don't blame her. I don't blame her, okay? Because if that was Amanda Nunes last Saturday, I think everybody can agree what would have happened in that fight. Right? So she's unhappy. We're unhappy. She lies and does that thing. See you later. Have a nice life. She did post an apology, though. Like, was that enough to make peace between you two? Yeah. I don't think there's any peace between me and Cyborg. You know what I mean? I think everybody can, whether you like me or you don't like me, whatever your opinion of me is, doesn't matter. What she did was dirty. Dirty what she did with the video and all this other stuff. And then meanwhile, she's running around saying, she better get an apology from me. Yeah. I got an apology from her. Because what she did is one of the dirtiest things. You think she, it, it had to kill her to apologize to me. Kill her to do it. But what she did is one of the dirtiest things that you can do to somebody. That's why she apologized. You even mentioned that you would be willing to give her one fight contract to make that rematch with Amanda Nunes. Was she doesn't want to fight Amanda Nunes. You guys and the fans need to get it into your head that she did everything she could 
including doctoring a video, lying about what I said to avoid fighting Amanda Nunes. The fans need to just, and the media, need to just get it through your heads that all that shit that was going on, oh, he, he's bullying me. Bullying you? You've been here for five years. What are you talking about? You're talking about stuff that happened five years ago, right? That was five years ago. It was all a smokescreen to not fight Amanda Nunes. She doesn't want that fight. Otherwise, we wouldn't even be having this conversation right now, you know? I don't think there's anybody here. I've had problems over the last 20 years with plenty of fighters. You know what I mean? From Tito Ortiz to Mark Hunt to God, God knows who else. I can't even think off the top of my head. We always made fights, right? She doesn't want to fight Amanda Nunes. Lastly, for me, it's just what can we expect from the featherweight division? You know, is Amanda going to defend the featherweight the, the featherweight yes. belt? Amanda's going to defend both titles just like she always did. Cyborg leaving doesn't matter. We know who the best fighter in the world is at 135 and 145. It's Amanda Nunes. You know, she had the opportunity for her legacy, Cyborg's legacy, to get that fight again. She doesn't want it, right? So we will continue to bring in the best fighters in the world and put them up against Amanda Nunes at 135 and 145 pounds, and she will continue to build her legacy. And uh, looking back to the, the last five years, if you could, would you do something different in relation to Cyborg? No. I wouldn't do anything different. The one thing that I'm glad I did is I pushed her to make sure that she fought Amanda Nunes because she didn't want that fight the first time, let alone the second time. And I said that in that interview. She wanted Cindy Danois or uh, Pam Sorensen. Those are the fights she wanted. She was turning down Amanda Nunes. And I said, that's not going to happen. So we kept pushing and pushing and pushing, and finally we got her to take the Amanda Nunes fight. So. I'm happy that I did that. Other than that, no, I wouldn't change one thing in the last five years with Cyborg. And then she was offered the rematch and didn't want it? Oh, I'm sorry, did you just get here? <laughs> no. no, I know you keep telling us that, but I'm saying, like, specifically, you offered it, right? Because, like, in the video, we saw you tell her, hey, we want to make this fight. Amanda tweeted, hey, I want this fight. So it, it, it supported what you were saying all along, right? Yes. What you're reiterating now. Right. I just want to make it, you know, clear that that's exactly what happened. I just said to her, I, I, you reporters and fans need to get it through your heads that I tried to make this fight. She does not want this fight. She doesn't want this fight. Doesn't want it. I believe you, sir. I so if, if I'm lying, she can call tomorrow and we'll make that fight. She will not call tomorrow and that fight will not be made because she does not want to fight Amanda Nunes. So you still work with her? Does she take that fight? She won't take the fight. But the answer is yes. On a one fight? My job is to take that. She won't do a one fight deal. She will not fight Amanda Nunes. She will not fight Amanda Nunes. On a half a fight deal. That would be you can go Oh, that was you? Oh, sorry. She will not fight Amanda Nunes on a one fight, ten fight, half a fight deal. She does not want to fight Amanda Nunes. Amanda Nunes will knock her out again in the first round. I know it, you know it, and she knows it. And she will not do that fight. Period. 
End of story. We have gone round and round with her, you know, and she is surrounded by not very bright people. You know what I mean? You can see how this whole thing played out. Okay? Like I told you, what you, ha you have to look at this objectively and take out however you feel about me and the UFC and, and, and all this bullshit and look at what the real facts are. The fact is, all of this was said and done to avoid fighting Amanda Nunes and she could walk away and look like, oh, they bullied me and this and that and doctoring the video that they doctored and lying and all the things that they've done leading up to here, you know? Cyborg likes to play that she's this really nice person and she's being bullied and all this other bullshit. You also say in that video, though, that she posted, you know, the real video, that you never said that she was afraid of that fight. Right. So if you're saying that she would never take that fight, why do you think would? Right. Well, I don't, I don't think she's afraid to fight Amanda Nunes. She doesn't want to lose again. There's a difference between being afraid to fight somebody. I mean, Cyborg's been fighting her whole, you know, adult life. I'm not saying that she's afraid to fight Amanda Nunes. Being afraid to fight and knowing that you're going to lose are two different things. That's the shit that I dealt with with Tito Ortiz, too. You know what I mean? When Tito Ortiz didn't take the Chuck fight because he 100% knew that Chuck Liddell was going to knock him out. That's why he didn't take the fight, right? There's other fights that Tito would rather take. Same with Cyborg. Cyborg would rather fight Pam Sorensen or, you know, these other girls that she wanted to fight other than Amanda Nunes. So there you go, a very uh, emotional, excitable Dana White laying it out there. And I got to say, uh, so much to, to, to talk about with this situation. Um, I mean, first and foremost, I guess he did clarify, if she is willing to come in and take this fight, he'll still do business with her. So even though he's out of the cyborg business, he's not necessarily saying it's not you know ever, ever going to happen. And I got to say, I do hold out a little bit of hope, a little bit of hope that the two of them could get in a room together. Yeah, that call didn't happen the I next feel, day? Oh, yeah, you know that call didn't happen. <laughs> that call didn't happen? That call didn't happen. Uh, it, it, you know, it was really funny, actually, right? Like, Because while this rant is going on, Cyborg tweets out, or at least from the social yeah. media account, which this was part of the problem. It's the people around her are the problem. I'm not trying to be yeah. mean to them, but it is this stuff. And but somebody was, probably was streaming. I mean, it wasn't Brett because Brett a lot of times, uh, Okamoto a lot of times streams from his phone, and then right. somebody edits. But it's quite possible. I know the guy next to us was streaming, but I don't think he has like a big following right. that Cyborg would have seen it. So it probably was the matter of somebody was like, "Oh, hey, by the way, Dan is seeing this." But there were other people there, off to the side, managers and other people that. Could have easily well, just there, reached out. Basically, there was a tweet that said, hey, good news, uh, Cyborg Nation. We're meeting with Dana tomorrow. And then that yeah. got deleted later after the uh, after this all came out. Yeah, after smarter people was like, hey, let's 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 think about this. But, okay, so listen, here, here's what I say. But I it certainly got some eyeballs towards it. I mean, it was, a, it was a perfect play. Like, it was what you wanted to see. But you also knew, like, okay, this is probably not going to happen. But yeah. I thought it was good timing. I mean, if you want to do something that's going to get some more eyeballs towards your fighter or – get people talking about you again, especially right after you're released, say something like they did. Right. Just chirp back in. So uh, 
I was excited, but yeah, I didn't think anything was going to happen. It got deleted later. It got deleted. It got deleted. Well, okay, so here I am I think hopeful. Before we even left the building. Before we even left the building, yes. <laughs> I, I am hopeful that Cyborg and Dana could get together in a room. I believe that if Cyborg and Dana would speak one on one, not speak through the media, not speak through social media and all this stuff. Nothing backstage with subtitles. And nothing else backstage puts. with subtitles. Like, no cameras rolling. I feel like they could reach an agreement. Maybe I'm crazy, but I feel like they could reach an agreement. And I just wish – I really do not put this on Cyborg. I put this on the people around her. And I know she has recently uh, signed with Paradigm, which hopefully that will change things. Right. And maybe they can get things done. Because I'm telling you right now, and I think this should be a lesson to fighters involved – in, in situations like this, go handle it behind the scenes, man. I know it's not uh, maybe as sexy or as exciting to, to, to not get the headlines out there and to be out there talking trash and da-da-da-da, but I'm telling you right now, if you just go meet with UFC officials behind the scenes and don't try to play it out in the media, I think you'll have much better success. And I'm hoping that's what happens here because the bottom line is, and you can see that Dana... I mean, you heard right there. He mentioned the video a couple times and talked about being the dirtiest thing possible. That video, that is, as he called it, doctored. I mean, when I saw it, I, I, I took it as, I guess, some videographer, their attempt at humor, maybe. You know what I mean? Like they were trying to, they were trying to, because you, Dana gets cut off, and there's like ellipses on, on the, on the, the text, and it says the truth, and you know that he's not saying the truth, and, and I think that was somebody just trying to like make a joke basically like have fun you know i mean not in a good way i mean in a bad right. way i mean right, in a right. disrespectful way um and, it, and but you can tell it definitely bothered dana and and rightfully so i mean that basically the video accuses him of being a liar when he's saying i'm not you know i'm telling you the truth yeah but that's what i'm saying if, if i think if, if, because there's it's indefensible you it's absolutely indefensible that that got released and i think that's another big lesson to fighters as well you have to be in charge of stuff that's going on. When you let people run your social media, when you let people produce content based yeah. around you, and you're not taking the, the time to final edit everything, yeah. you are risking your reputation around their judgment. It's true. You're risking your brand. You're right. I mean, it, it's like a catch-22. I mean, you you almost want people to do it, but you want them to do it without paying for it. Right. You know, so you're like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, you're going to do something awesome, awesome, and then, you know, then they get uh, – a little cavalier with it, and then you don't take the time to, to check it because, one, you're probably not really paying for it. Right. And then they go and do something that you're like, oh, you know, you can't really go back. But, you know, what's interesting is uh, I bet if they did get in the room, it would be an interesting talk. But there's things that Dana said that uh, you can, as much as he's like, you know, one time with a tweet, thank you, Chris, after Chris said, like, I apologize for your thing. Right. He tries to be respectful. But then in the in the same time, you know, like you're just hearing, he's like, you know, was the hardest person to ever deal with, you know, I'm done with this, I'm blah, blah, blah. Then how do you go back in a negotiation after the fact and say, I was just playing, I was just this, 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 because sure. she, her whole thing is like, you're not giving me the respect, you know, you're, you're hurting my brand. Here you are again after we just got done doing this and you're saying what a pain in the ass I was yeah. and, the, and the only good thing that, you know, I should be thinking you that you made me a clean athlete. That's a sideward jab. Right. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that he was saying there that was not very um, appreciative of Cyborg. Right. So I would, I could totally see where Cyborg's like, he just took another chance to shit on my brand and kind of come out looking 
wanting to look like the bigger, better person, the person that did whatever, you know. So I don't know. I, I honestly don't know if they could get back in the room because then I'd feel like he would almost have to be sort of hypocritical to what he was just out there saying in front of us. I hadn't thought about that, but that's, you know, that's, that's actually I don't know. Fair. It just it just kept ringing in my head when I was watching. I was like, my God, here he is again, like just <laughs> jabbing at her. Like you just got done saying like. She was great and that this, 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 but then you it was like it completely, and I get it. He has a right to be angry at what the video was trying to do and the other stuff, but it just felt like it was, uh, the overall anger again was just more over, over like the whole time dealing with her. He kept bringing up that it was so tough dealing with her the whole entire time. Right. Didn't want to fight her the first time. Didn't want to fight her the first time, right. you know. So I don't know, and I, I probably think that, Dana, uh, as much as he says, yeah, I want to make it happen. I mean, he is still a businessman. If the money's right, he'll make that fight happen, and he'll say whatever he needs to do. But I honestly don't think he's going to ever go back and be like, I'm sorry for saying the shit that I was saying or whatever. It's going to be on her to be like, do I want to do business with a guy that clearly, again, thinks I'm a piece of shit, you know? Uh, And then at that point, you know, then you got to – what get what you need out of it if you're getting enough money out of it deal with a guy that doesn't like you who cares i mean like i think we've all worked for people that maybe don't like us all that well but they appreciate the work we do and they pay us for the stuff we do and a lot of times we stay in those relationships because they're they're mutually benefits mark hunt you know they still got fights done you know and it was funny he's like i know there were some others and there sure were you know i was trying (laughs) i was thinking like shit roy nelson there's a there's a couple uh names that you know, I think everybody could probably off pull yep, off. Yeah, yep, don't like him. Yeah, you know, don't like her. Yep, that don't like him. <laughs> had, that he fought with the whole time, but he made it work for both of them. So I don't know. I just felt uh, if if Cyborg really is like you know every time you say something you're you're hurting my brand. He did it again with that big rant. Um, That's fair. So I don't know. That's I, fair. I don't know if he. I think the again money talks. If the money's right, I don't see why she wouldn't. But I think if it's probably the same status quo to what she was paying, I don't see her coming back. Yeah, I'm going to meet with uh, Scott Coker. She's on Friday with tomorrow uh, as we sit down to record this on Thursday, as we always do every single week for 228 consecutive weeks. Uh, I will be meeting with Scott Coker on Friday, so we'll try to get a little insight there because it does seem like a good fit. You know, as much as – It's a great fit. A, you know, afterwards I said, man, I, 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 want, I want them to work this out. I want Cyborg back. Yeah. I, I, I want them to work this out. She deserves to be in the UFC, and she does deserve to be in the UFC. As a competitor, she's one of the best women's fighters ever, and she deserves to be at the highest point in the sport. She deserves to have fights like Amanda Nunes, you know, yep. opportunities to say I am the best in the world, which is, which is tough when you're outside the UFC because you're not consistently fighting the top-ranked individuals. Um, and so that was my initial thought. But the more I think about it, I mean, obviously the way Scott Coker does business is a lot different than the way Dana White does business. And right. they, ha- they have a, a relationship um, that, that Scott has openly, you know, shown appreciation and, and love for Chris Cyborg. Um, and then, you know, the more I think about, like you said, the chance to go fight um, over in Japan, you know, with the partnership that they have with Ryzen, uh, pretty cool stuff, man. I think, yeah. I think there's more opportunities for Chris Cyborg being in Bellator, I agree, if I'm and being I honest. and I think that Coker can actually probably get her at a discount. I mean, as much as she is at the top of, of her game she, for she where lost she's at bargaining right now, power. she lost bargaining power, and and that's the thing, right? It, it's it's harder uh, for somebody to pick up somebody when they have a contract in hand. When you know when there's a bidding war going on, there's no bidding war going on for it. She is a free agent with nobody else making the moves on her right that's now. It. So at some point, you know, you might try to ask for the money that you were getting and maybe 
uh, they agree to give you what you were getting or something close to it. But at the same sense, at the same time, I mean, if you say no, there's no, there's, where do you go? Where do you go? Yep. I mean, if any, something is better than nothing. So, I mean, I think at some point you go a certain amount of time with nobody picking up that contract or picking up, uh, picking you up at some point you're, they're going to lower the amount and it's going to be beneficial for, I mean, I think even paying, I, I don't know what the numbers were. I'd have to go back and see what she was making per fight, but I guarantee that at least at that level, I think Bellator would probably pick her up, but Scott's smart enough that he probably realized that he could probably wager uh, multiple fights at a lesser rate yep. that will ultimately give her more than just say one fight at the higher yeah because thing. that was part of her complaints that she wasn't getting enough that fights. she wasn't getting enough fights so, hey, you'll, you'll have to fight more frequently to get the money but the money right. will be there so say if she was getting five hundred thousand for a fight in the ufc yeah. but she was fighting once a year we'll give you three hundred give you three hundred thousand but we'll two three, three times. times yeah there you go you almost doubled your money in that year I and i get it. i could see where she would jump on that in a heartbeat and you don't have to face amanda nunes and you don't have to face <laughs> <Nunes>. <laughs> all she, right yeah she Oh man, she does want to face. That's the thing. Is, she does. I she mean, she does want to face Manus. I will say, there's something to what Dana said. I'm right. not saying she's afraid. I did like the fact that he clarified right. with that because that's where I think people get it wrong. Right. I think people get it wrong with. Oh, he said she's afraid. He never said she's afraid. Cyborg is not afraid yeah. to face anybody. You could you could trot out any man in the UFC and put in and Cyborg yeah. would not be afraid to fight. It's always tough when he says because he says it in different ways. She don't want that fight. Right. She's not taking that fight. You know, there's certain ways, and I think we're quick to say, oh, that obviously means they're afraid, you right. know, because that's how it's used. But That's not what he means. But yeah. there is something to be said for, like, no, what I'm saying is that for her career, she doesn't feel like it's the right fight for her right now. And that's okay. I mean, yeah. that's okay, right? I mean, it's you're a lot trying more to, words than he rebuild. likes to say. He likes to get too quick to the point. She don't want that fight. Right. It's a lot easier than saying, you know. Guys, think about it. Her legacy. If she, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a lot easier to go. It's a lot easier to say she don't want that fight. Oh, that's funny. All right, well, let's talk about the <laughs> other uh, controversial figure, I guess, that has kind of dominated the headlines. Colby Covington, uh, after his phenomenal performance over Robbie Lawler, of course, right away uh, he, he he went right back to the controversy. Right, I mean, he has this amazing performance. The one that I think now, if you're a longtime Roadshow listener, you know we've been trying to tell you, folks, Colby Covington's the real deal. We've been trying to tell you for four years this dude was coming to the top of the division. Now he's here. But I think this was the performance where finally everybody said, all right, I hate this guy. But but I can't deny it. I can't deny he he, yep. he deserves to be at the top. Um, and then right away, you know, he gets on the mic and, and he makes the Matt Hughes joke. You know, yeah. some, the lesson you should have learned from Matt Hughes. And everybody goes, oh. What the hell was that? You know, and that becomes honestly uh, a central topic, right? That honestly becomes like a big point coming out of the fight. Instead of yeah. people talking about how great his win over Robbie Lawler was, now they're talking about this joke. Now Matt Hughes went to social media and said, you know, I'm not offended. So I guess if Matt Hughes isn't offended, why should anybody else be offended? I mean, it was it was poor taste, no question about it. Um, but whatever. I mean, that's between him and Matt Hughes, and Matt Hughes seemed to think that it was okay. Um, but then it goes a little bit further, and, and uh, I'll start with this. Um, Colby was a guest on MMA Tonight on Sirius XM, uh, Ryan McKinnell, Misha Tate, um, and he basically went pretty strong at Misha Tate, um, and uh, so so much so that for a little bit anyway, um, Sirius XM actually took this segment out of the replay that they had online. They've since added it back in. It is in there. We actually asked them uh, for the audio. They 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 didn't really want to send us the audio. So I, I think they're 
still trying to figure out how they want to deal with this internally. Um, but it, it got pretty volatile um, with Colby going at Misha. And um, I, I won't say – well, I will say pretty much completely unprovoked. I mean, it's not that he didn't have a point or he didn't have a thought, um, but it certainly escalated very quickly. And, and uh, here is, is a portion of, uh, of what you heard on MMA Tonight. There's nothing in my contract that says I have to be nice. They say, right. hey, you get, in, you get in your underwear and you go in there and you want to brutally beat someone up and leave them in the hospital. But I don't remember anybody saying anything about being nice or saying nice words about, about people. So I just don't care what people think. All the people that are saying things, they live in glass houses. The people that try and slander my name, they want to make me look bad and say things like that. They should, they should be careful what they're saying. They live in glass houses. Don't, don't throw rocks when you live in glass houses. So what what is it that inspired you to be um, to say something kind about Robbie? Because I feel like that was a bit uncharacteristic of of what we typically see and how you typically promote is, you know, you you do bring the trash talk. You do bring the the things that get everybody fired up and gets headlines and people clicking and um, people are interested in that. But then you come out and you say something so ultra respectful and even starting the show, right, calling the man a legend. Um, Why? What, what what what's the change in tune? Uh, Misha, you know, I mean, I bring in the ratings. There's a reason you had me on your show today. I, I know you talk things about me behind my back, and, and, I mean, it gets back to me. All the people say about how negative thoughts you say about me, and I'm how, how I'm this, I'm how I'm that. And I just think it's very hypocritical because I, I don't think you're a perfect person. You might have some skeletons in your closet as well. So for you to, to call out me and say what I do wrong, I, I sell and put all fights. And that's what I'm doing right now. And I go out there and I win those fights. I don't know if you guys heard, but I also had the president of the United States call me right after my fight in the, in the family front row. And there's a reason behind all of that. I bring in the entertainment. Why is it that nobody gets it but the man himself, Matt Hughes, gets it? He sends a text message to my agent, Dan Lambert, says, oh, man, that's funny, you know. That's just what the nature of we joke around. And it's the truth. Get off the train. When, when Colby's coming through, the, the Colby train or the Trump train, get off the tracks or you're going to get ran over. Look, look, Colby, I respect your, your opinion and everything, and I hope you don't think anything I say on air is tra- talking trash. I don't have your number directly. Maybe I, I mean, I, look, I, I say it, and I expect fully that it's a public news, and you can hear it, and, you know, I'm definitely not trying to say anything behind your back. Before you got on the show, if you were listening, I said, look, I met Colby. You know, he was volunteering his time. He's a super nice person. At that time, I didn't really follow like his interviews. And the first time I heard him talk, I was shocked because I felt like he was such a nice person. And I think that this is an act. And I I will go on air right now, right to your face and tell you, I don't typically like that kind of talk, the trash talk. It's not what I follow. It's not what I like. I think you're a nice person. And I think you're playing a heel role. And I don't, I'm not a fan of the heel. I'm not a fan of the trash talk. I'm not, it's not my thing, not what I follow. But I mean, there you have it. There's to your face. It's nothing behind your back. That's how I see it. Awesome. Well, the way I see it, you know, is, is you got famous off, off losing to my girl Ronda Rousey. I mean, you got famous for putting pictures on the internet. You got famous for other things that we won't talk about because I don't want to really bury your name. So if you're going to say I'm disgusting the West, in the Western Hemisphere and you're disgusting for this sport and I, you would never allow that in one FC and this and that, acting like you're on a pedestal, like you're better than everybody, then you should be one to talk. That's very two-faced and hypocritical and it shows what type of fake person you are.
You want to act in the media and talk on your little podcast and talk like you're a perfect person, but you act like you're perfect and you've done everything right. You've never done anything wrong in your career. So I just think it's very hypocritical and people need to hold themselves accountable in America. All right, so if you want to hear that uh, full interview, it is available on uh, the SiriusXM app uh, or their, uh, their uh, webpage as well. Uh, again, okay, here's, here's where I want to go with that, is that, uh, you know, we wrote a story on that. It, it is interesting. I mean, two very high-profile figures. Obviously, Misha Tate is in the media now, but uh, she is one of the biggest stars in the sport or, or was during her fighting days. Still remains very relevant. Of course, she's uh, with one championship now. She's an official there, but she's still doing uh, her work with SiriusXM as well. The same day, I think, um, Covington was on with our, our good friends at Submission Radio. Um, and... This morning, you know, we wrote this story Wednesday night when, when, when the interview happened, shortly after it happened. And then Thursday morning we wake up and, and our staff is sharing some things uh, and, and talking about, hey, should we write about this? And here, were, here was Covington's quote to Submission Radio, and he was talking about Kamaru Usman. And his quote was, uh, the guy's a piece of shit. I mean, he was ducking me so long that Glenn Robinson, who was his manager, that Glenn Robinson died from it because he was ducking me so hard and he wouldn't fight me. Uh, so now he's talking about the passing of, of Kamaru's former manager, Glenn Robinson, um, a guy that wasn't always the most loved in the industry, especially in South Florida, because he kind of started the, the Black Zillions rivalry with ATT, but a guy that unquestionably invested a lot of money in the sport um, and helped a lot of people in, in their careers uh, when it was desperately needed. Uh, and, and, of course, he passed away uh, a few years ago, and, and now we're, we're poking light at that. So it's clear that Colby – was ready to go at Tate. It's clear that Colby was ready to go at, at Glenn Robinson. I mean, this is what he wanted to do. But the discussion that happened internally, even at MMA Junkie, was, uh, and, and I won't necessarily say who said it, but it was on our internal chat, the, the, the basically said, hey, this guy's deliberately, quote-unquote, going there now. He's reaching, and it's getting pretty ugly. I'm beginning to wonder if we're approaching a tipping point where covering stuff like this goes beyond reporting and is just enabling him to, you know, basically have hate speech and I'm a Kobe Covington defender man I like Kobe Covington I've stood on this program many times telling people hey listen I understand what you're saying about Kobe Covington uh, but understand that's not who he is behind the scenes Uh, don't let it cloud your vision of who he is as a martial artist uh, and a fighter because he's a pretty good one but yeah you know what even I'm kind of starting to agree that like it's going to get to a point where we just don't cover it anymore because you know why should the guy get a platform to to spew off stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, it, there's there's freedom of speech, and then there's a point where it starts just becoming almost borderline like hate speech. Right. You know? I'm sure that Hitler had close friends that thought he was just a swelled guy. <laughs> you know, um, not that I'm comparing Colby to Hitler. Oh, <laughs> that's that's a bit of a stretch. But I'm just saying, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, there's some people that are willing to overlook a lot of terrible things that people say because they find redeeming character and the redeeming quality. And I think as much as we know that a lot of times Colby, when he turns it off and Colby's being Colby, he's a generally very nice guy to talk with. Polite, punctual, pleasant. The character is getting a bit extreme, and it's uh, it's going a lot of places that you're right. At some point, it's just, you know... um, why why do we give him the platform you right. know like at some point you know it would be you know but that's the same thing you know if radio show hosts now know that this is what's going to happen they're either not going to invite him or they're going to invite him specifically because they know that the shit's going to happen that's right and uh not like that's the the views and the clicks you want to because you know 
I guess it is our our role if a, if a person out there that is in the the field is losing their shit and and going all wacko. I guess it's kind of part of our job to show that downfall, right. that that spiral. Like right. when Britney Spears had that phase where she just started going complete wackoness and shaving her head and everything. Some people probably could have been like, "Do we want to show this? You know, this is somebody you know really going whatever." And others were like, "Hey, this." You gotta document at least the point of that. But at least are in happening. that situation, it was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, you want to maybe give some privacy or give some uh, thought to their own well-being. Right. But I don't even feel like this is Kobe just losing it. Like I think, I think you know, documenting somebody. Oh, man, you do make an interesting point. Do you want to document somebody's downfall? But I mean, this to me is just so contrived. You know what I mean? It's right. not like we're seeing the guy suffer or we're seeing the guy. But it's getting worse. Like, it is something. Getting, that's what something, I'm saying. Like something's. And and you you all, you wonder if it's also the people beside him saying, "Dude, that was even that was even better than last time." But I right. think we could do more. Right. I think we could do more. Well, what, what can I'm, you get next time? I'm kind of hoping this week and this series of interviews and this will let him see. Okay, hold on. There there is a boundary. Like there is yeah. too far. Because look, I, I said it going in. I mean it. People would not care about Kobe Covington if he didn't wear a MAGA hat. If he didn't. Talk trash. Just, yeah. His style, is, as impressive as it is, it's not necessarily what fans want to see. Fans want to see people that go out there and bang it out in the middle, right? Um, I think Colby understood that. And so I, I applaud to a certain degree Colby saying, I get it, man. This is entertainment, and yeah. I've got to entertain, and I've got to get people's attention, and I'm cool with that. I just feel like, as weird as it may sound, like now, I feel like now this is, this is too far. Yeah, I mean, when it gets to the point like uh... – when I when I think of like if I'm watching pro wrestling and I think of all the contrived drama and all the the little jabbing, you know, there's kind of a playfulness, there's kind of a funniness about it, you know, you know, there's not real hate. Right. But then now when you know that uh, the fights that happen between the people in mixed martial arts and stuff are real fights, and some of these topics that he's now broaching and bringing up, you know, a possible suicide attempt, you know, somebody dying earlier than should have. You start to touch upon real things that can have real consequences yep. outside, and at some point, all it really takes is one person outside that just thinks that you crossed the line too far. That, as a performer, if that's what Colby's trying to do, you know, you broach a certain area, you're gonna you're gonna have a lot of unwelcome. Because right now, he might just have radio hosts banning him. Right. You might have this and that, but at some point, when you when you're pushing it just to push it, uh. Somebody on the outside is going to snap. Yep. And and the kind of shit that he's dealing with, and the kind of world that uh, there is. I mean, there's a lot of crazy motherfuckers out there that are looking to do crazy shit, and you don't want to be the person day, just right? like being that beacon, like you know, that just brings it upon yourself. I mean, I think you can go and be extreme and do whatever, but you can't do it forever without some sort of hate. ramifications that's it when you're inciting hate because that that you know i think in the build up to like connor and habib which he I, is following trump in that matter he's definitely following trump <laughs> in that matter it's like bro stop following his lead <sighs> he's going to get his someday too <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know it's like in the, in the in the lead up to connor and habib like that was the thing that i was like ah let's not and and i think you know why even dana white stepped in and said hey 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 guys cool it a little bit on this you know cuz you start talking about like Religion, factions and families of, yeah, and religion. everything. Oh, you can't have that. So I don't know. I just I, 
I still believe that Covington Usman is the fight to make. And of course, Dana White said that as well uh, at, at, at the scrum at Contender Series. He said, "Yes, absolutely. I know Mazi Dal is saying that he deserves to be there, but Usman Covington is the fight to make. It's a great fight, man. We've been saying it all along, man. The wrestling of those two guys, the pace of those two guys, the right. cardio of those two guys. It's going to make for an intriguing clash. The build-up, man. I don't. Know. I just, I just, yeah. I just hope we get a little bit of." Uh, control of it man yeah. I, ho- I hope that I, I understand Colby's trying to press right. press the envelope right see how far I can press it I'm just hoping that moments like this because I can tell you even internally we're saying maybe we just don't cover the yeah. guy anymore well think about it think about it. right now he's he's taking artistic license he's having fun he's saying stuff that nothing's been you know said but take it like this what if there was a possibility and say say when you look back and I'm just speaking in hypothetical terms whatever had Matt Hughes came out and said, "I'm sorry, folks. This was this was me making an attempt. I'm sorry. I had mental problems and right. dealing with it." Here's a guy that was making light of suicide. At that point, wouldn't the wouldn't the UFC then have to reprimand Absolutely. and do something? Absolutely. But right now, since nothing's ever been said, because he's just throwing shit out there, they're like, "Oh, he's just being Colby." But you're treading such a fine line as an organization to have a person out there making light of suicide, making light of other very important issues that it's like, when do you stop in and say enough's enough? Just go in there and tell him his mama's fat. Even that's kind of rude. But don't start (laughs) talking about like shit like suicide and other shit where the U.S. actually has a real problem with that sort of stuff. And I think at some point, you know, you got to stop, you know, pushing out and really promoting a person if that's where his wheelhouse is going to go and saying, you know, and, and start doing that sort of stuff, you know. Um, so when you think of it in that light, you know, at that point, it's like, okay, then we are pushing a person that's saying shit that's just completely wrong. I mean, he's one he's one phrase away from saying, you know, you're such a loser. We should just take your kids, just start selling them, you know, on the corner because they ain't going to amount to nothing if they follow your lead. Right. It's, it, I mean, then we... I mean, it's it's really bad. It's really borderline right now, where it's it's already probably could be too far at this point, you know. Yep. But for the UFC did not do anything. It's kind of like, uh, it shouldn't be on the media to say, uh, you're a bad person, or or we should stop coming. It should be on the organization to say, dude, you got to stop saying this shit. You know, stop letting your fighters just really push the boundaries. In the hopes that they don't cross that line what, at what some da- point. What Dana White says is true. Where hey, this is the fight business. People are going to say not nice things. I get that. That's right. I get it. But I do feel like there's a line. There's a decency line. And I right. think what you said is true. I mean, when it's these you know situations that are real problems in our country. You know right. what I mean? Like I don't know. We, we can start you know, making fun of gun violence next or something. Or right. you know, I mean, it just well, just imagine if he starts bringing up like the whole immigration thing and start oh, starts really throwing against an African immigrant or by the way yeah I mean yes. like shit's gonna get bad and and then what are they gonna do oh sorry we didn't see it coming how can you not fucking see it coming he's already going in that direction but you gotta you gotta at some point you have to reel your fighters in they have this whole code of conduct that they're supposed to be following I yeah. would think all of this shit would be in there you can't talk about or joke about the race the religion 
uh, suicide, you know, like all this other shit. That should just be common sense yep. that it shouldn't happen. And I like Kobe. I want to make that clear. Yeah. I am not a Kobe hater. So this is not coming from two people that don't like a guy and are just trying to pick on him. I think there's two guys that actually like Kobe Covington. I like Kobe. I just, just don't saying, like let's, the, let's, I don't like the what the character is saying it's, now. It's to me it's going a little bit too far. It's I, starting I, to go I, too I can, far. I can see people saying that's hypocritical. You you want people to sell the fights, but now that now you're telling them they can't say this and that's fine if you want to if that's your argument, but I do think there should be a line of of decency, man. I think there's right. just maybe you don't know what that line is until you cross it. But to me, it's not all bets are off. It's not you can say whatever you want. Yes, hype a fight. We all like that. Right. But I don't think it's like you just get carte blanche to say whatever the hell you want. There still should right, be that whole like, well, I'll just ask for do it until I can ask. I'll ask for, ask for forgiveness rather than ask permission. To, yeah, <laughs> that's funny. All right, listen, another fight: welterweight division. Damian Maya versus Ben Askren. A lot of rumors circling about that. Uh, spoke to some people behind the scenes. It does sound like that's the UFC's plan for Singapore. Uh, both fighters are not necessarily uh, signed up for this just yet, so it's a little premature to say it's done. Uh, but the UFC is trying to do that. I know uh, Damian. Uh, I, I think he's trying to work on a new contract before he accepts any fight. I think it's kind of my understanding. I think he's got one fight left on his deal, and he's trying to kind of figure out. You know what the future of his career is going to be, but I love that fight, Damian Maya versus Ben Askren. Love it, man. Two guys grappling phenoms. Uh, I hate that it'll, it'll happen over in Singapore because I know that means, unlike the old days, I won't be there for it. But uh, I, but I, I, I like the fight itself. So, uh, all right, let's talk a little bit about this week. Um, like I said, the, the the card itself, UFC on ESPN Plus 14, uh, I like the main event, of course, Valentina Shevchenko versus Liz Carmouche. I love the fact that Shevchenko is getting back in there uh, again quickly. Man, I like champions defending their belt, especially in a division that's still kind of developing and you're trying to get everybody to, to find their spot. And Liz Carmouche is game as they come uh, with Shevchenko. It is a rematch, of course. They fought years ago. Crazy. They fought in, in a, a regional show and, you know, Podunk, Oklahoma. Uh, Carmouche actually won the fight. It was a TKO via doctor stoppage. It was a cut via an upkick, I believe, was what caused the blow. Um, no video of it exists, which is crazy. I mean, that's how how long ago it was. Don't think that that has a lot of bearing on how this fight is going to play out. You know, sometimes when rematches are a year apart or something, you go, oh, well, how did that time you had with them impact it? I don't think that's going to have much of an impact. I guess other than maybe... If Valentina is starting to develop a little bit of a mystique or something like that about her, you know, sometimes uh, fighters, when they were fighting Cyborg, for instance, you know, that you could tell they were beaten before the fight really started. If Easily. Valentina was starting to to develop a little bit of that because of how great she's looked, at least I would say that Liz would, would probably be able to avoid that. But to be honest with you, I would say Liz would be able to avoid that entirely. Now, Valentina is a huge favorite, and I picked her. You have to pick Valentina Shevchenko right now, yeah. I think. But I will say... To me, this is not a, a, a complete one-sided uh, walkover for Valentina Shevchenko. Karamush is as tough as they come. Uh, she's got the mentality for moments like this. You know, obviously the military veteran. But, you know, the fight with Ronda Rousey, I mean, she's been in pressure situations. You know, she is technically the first woman to ever walk into the UFC octagon because she was in the blue corner and she walked first. Um, yep. She's dealt with pressure situations. She is tough. She's not going to be mentally beat. Um, I, I think this is I to me I, I think this is a good fight. I pick Shevchenko, but I think to me it's a better fight than the odds would kind of suggest because I think some of the odds have Shevchenko out there at like minus twelve hundred. Wow, that that does seem a bit high, but I can I can see it as well because when when it comes to striking, it's 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 night and day. I mean Shevchenko's striking is <sighs> leaps and bounds Phenomenal. above Carmouche, but you're right. I mean. Carmouche, I would think that the fight with Ronda, there was probably a lot more 
eyeball. Well, there was more eyeballs Definitely. on it. There was a lot more pressure because it was such a big moment. I think she probably put so much more pressure on herself. I don't think she's going to come in there feeling any of the sort of pressure that she had None. for that fight. Um, she's always come in there calm and cool, but she needs to get a hold of Valentina to make this a fight in her favor. You know, where she can I sort agree. of grind on her and get her to the ground. But which keep, is no easy task. People don't have. Much luck getting <laughs> Shevchenko down, let alone to keep her down. Yep. Um, and in this case, she's going to eat two or three strikes or more when she's going in for those attempts. And yep. Valentina is so dangerous that Liz is going to have to sit. She's going to have to set up every takedown attempt with some strikes or something, which means she has the possibility of eating something. Because if she tries to do it without, we could see another one of those fun knee endings that we've oh. been seeing so much lately. But... Uh, would you say 1200 i think that's it's a bit steep but you know the more i think about it, i could probably sell myself on that and, and agree with that just for the fact that valentina is fighting on such a different level right now she is she's amazing second her, her, to me she's and her cardio is second to none i mean like she is just a monster and she gave amanda nunes every bit that she could absolutely i mean that was tough so and amanda right now i mean like She's going to walk through anybody. So if Valentina can give her every bit and go to the decision and, and, and give her a good run for the money, sorry, Liz. I mean. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I agree. See, now I'm starting to sell it in my head. I'm like, I'm like, oh, it should be minus 1,500 <laughs> now, you know. See, I listen, there's no question. But to, to me, yeah, you're right, Valentina Shevchenko. It, it's almost unfair to say that she's the second best woman on the planet right now because Amanda Nunes is clearly number one. Yeah. But in some ways, it should almost be like 1A, 1B. Like, you're so much smaller than Amanda, and yet you gave her everything she could handle. So, yes, yeah. technically you're second best because she beat you, but you were fighting at such a physical disadvantage right. that it's almost like 1A, 1B, you know? I'm, yeah, I'm good with that. Uh, Vicente Luque <laughs> versus Mike Perry. That's a fight that's that I think is going to be, gonna a be fun one. incredible. Uh, I'm surprised to see Vicente Luque at like minus 200, minus 220. To me, I think that's accurate. I do think Luque is the, is the better fighter, and I mean no disrespect to Mike Perry yeah. because I love Mike Perry, and you know he's going to put on a show, and that's why everybody is loving this fight. But Vicente Luque has been uh, you know, flying under the radar for so long that I was kind of surprised to see the odds makers give him that love. Um but I, I think it's well-deserved. I mean, I, yeah. I, I really do. And um, I, I think this is a big moment for Vicente Luque, but it's not one that you can guarantee because Mike Perry is going to put on a, a phenomenal fight uh, anytime he steps in the cage. Mike Perry could walk down the street, a truck could run him over, and he would immediately jump up and ask the truck to do it again. <laughs> like, he is tough as nails. And the thing with Vicente is that he doesn't. he's not afraid to, to stand and bang himself, and he has – and in fact, his last four fights have been finished by uh, strikes, right. punches, and knees. But he, the thing about him is that he has really, really dangerous jujitsu as well. He has incredible submission skills. So that, for me, and his size, because I'd have to see him on the side by side. Because uh, Mike's one of those guys that he he cuts a decent amount of weight, yes. but he but he's nice and thick yes. when he gets to fight night. But yep. Vincente just looks like he should be fighting uh, a higher weight class, right? You know, but he cuts down, so he's a good, he's a, he's a, he's a specimen. But um, I just think, I think the submission is the difference. But if he, if he doesn't get his head out of the way and he starts taking uh, a couple of those big overhand rights of Mike's and the big lefts, uh, he's going to be in trouble because Mike can stun him. And Mike, once he knows that you're hurt, it's that 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 smell of blood oh, in the water. Man. He he becomes like the great white shark, and and he. 
immediately he he could have been tired before that moment but once he smells blood man he he's able to kind of amp himself up so uh Luke needs to really watch out for that because if he if Mike's able to stun him uh he's going to immediately go for the kill but I think ultimately I think the the jiu-jitsu and the submission skills are going to probably be what settles this because I think he's smart enough to to kind of keep away from Mike work what he can from distance but then try to get in there and, and uh Probably in it. I'm, I'm guessing probably like a rear naked choke. I wouldn't doubt that. I I uh, I am excited for that fight. That's solid one two punch. So I th- so here's here's the thing is so a lot of people I've seen a lot of people kind of you know pooping on this card. I think it's a decent card. It's not the greatest of all time, but don't you go pooping it, on that card. It's a solid. It's a yeah. It's a solid one two punch there for sure. Right? How do you uh, say pooping uh, Uruguay? Is ca- it caca? Caca? Don't you caca on this card? <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. All right, so but here's where it gets a little bit confusing because your next fight on the card, your number three, and, th- and this is why I think people do. They, they just look at the top and they don't really go all the way through. Your, your next fight is Umberto Bandanaya versus Luis Garagori. Okay, uh, Luis, which I believe we're finding out he's going to go by Eduardo, so don't, uh, don't be surprised if his name changes by fight night. We have uh, heard that. Against Umberto Bandanaya. I think, I, to me, my only guess here is that the idea, you know, Bandanaya is from Peru. Um, Luis is from Brazil. I, I think they wanted to get some some South American flavor, especially with Peru. You know, something outside of Brazil. I think that's only because I can't. I don't understand why else you you would have this above Ilir Latifi and Vulcan Ozdemir. I mean, that's that's a, a Latifi and Ozdemir is, is a much higher profile fight. Um, so I think that maybe the matchmakers just wanted to have a little bit of that Peruvian love on there, have a little bit of South America versus South America mm-hmm. at the top of the card because mm-hmm. Ilir Latifi versus Vulcan Uzdemir should be the number three fight on this card. And I'll be honest with you, if you, if you go down to the prelims, Gilbert Burns versus Alexi Kunchinko, that is a very, very good fight, man. That's a high-level fight. That that deserves to be up there. A hidden gem that uh, probably a lot of people won't necessarily – well, not the hardcores. People that listen to us are, are pretty hardcore. Uh, Rogerio Bontarin versus Hollyan Paiva, uh, that could be a very good fight as well. And of course, Marina Rodriguez versus Tisha Torres, another big fight there. I think all three of those – should have been on the main card. Uh, no disrespect to Oscar Pichota because I'm Rodolfo mm-hmm. Vieira. I'm very, very excited to see Rodolfo Vieira. This is a high-level black belt, a super high-level black belt, multiple times Abu Dhabi Combat Club World Champion. This dude is as good as it gets in the grappling. It's, it's, uh, it's like a, uh, you know, say you're taking like a, like a bigger version of Crone Gracie or something like that. You know, I mean, you're talking about. High level jujitsu, so I'm excited for that. And Enrique Barzola, the black belt, the hunter. black belt hunter. That's gonna be a great <laughs> fight. Enrique Barzola, I love watching Enrique Barzola fight. This dude brings it every yeah. single time, man. American uh, top team guy. Right? He's fun to watch fight, and and Bobby Moffat will, will come and bang as well. So that's gonna be a good fight. But to me, just the construction of this card got a little weird. Yeah. And normally I understand it. Because you're trying to put something on ESPN to get something on pay-per-view or whatever. But yeah. this is all ESPN Plus, so I don't get the way yeah. they built this card. And I think it, it's making the card look less appealing than it actually is. There's some good yeah. fights on here. I just think they built it in a weird fashion. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at uh, – Tapology does a pretty good job of usually uh, keeping updated where they're fighting out of. And uh, Gergory is the only one that's listed as fighting out of Uruguay. Interesting. Which is interesting. There's a lot of Brazilians on this card, so oh, yeah. I don't know if that was a play just to say, all right, hey, we want to, we were gonna, we're gonna put a local guy or a local with quotes right. uh, on the main, the main card. That would make sense. That would definitely make sense. I, I didn't realize he was local. Okay, if, that, if he's yeah, fighting he out of born out of Brazil, but yeah, it has him, shows him fighting out of Uruguay. So see, that definitely makes sense. That's that they want the crowd there to watch. They want that. the crowd to stay there. I get that. 
but it just to me it kind of messed up the flow of the card a little bit. Yeah, but that should be a good fight though. It, it should. should be. It should be a really good fight. But no, you got me sold on the Vieira fight. Now I I didn't know that about him, but I know uh, Pichota is a is a good fighter. Yeah, so that he's should tough. be into one. Yeah, I'm telling you, this is this is going to be another one of those that I think there's going to be some some uh, some good fights. Cyril Gane is on there. Uh, Nolan King wrote a great story about him about uh, his background and and. Uh, you know, kind of being a Francis Ngannou protege. So um, I, I think this card is better than yeah. it may initially look. That's Couple all hotties starting there. the night out. Yeah. Absolutely. Got to like that. Got to like that. So yeah, we'll be tuned in. We won't have a I, – you know, we, we got we got the and a half back last week. I, I might try to, try to knock something out for this one too, even though I'm not going to have as much stuff from on site. Yeah. Um, I can still just kind of lend my thoughts, right? Trying to get back to the and a half now that we can. Yeah. I mean, I know you're fine not doing Yeah, depending on the time of the night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's always funner when you're there and if you have something. But, yeah. Yeah, you get a little excited. Cause and a half from your house. You're like, yeah, maybe. I know. It's better when you're on site and you got that adrenaline and you just, you know, you just left the arena and you're still kind of fired up from it. Yeah. But, sitting at your desk chair. But people like it. I like it. I like to talk. <laughs> and a half. We're doing it. I'm doing it. Hell with you. All right, listen. Uh. I wanted to uh, share a little bit of a MMA legend here with you. Uh, Ken Shamrock, I had a chance to speak with him uh, earlier today. He is getting into the bare-knuckle business, Valor Bare-Knuckle. It launches September 21st. will be their first event up in uh, North Dakota. And uh, listen, I you know the bare-knuckle stuff, I'm not against it. I'm not sold on it. We know we've we've covered it here and there. Of course, you know the the matchups that are appealing, um, but I don't feel like it's this sport that man I got to cover this. You know, but look, Ken Shamrock is getting in, in, involved in this, and they're putting together a heavyweight tournament, four man, one night heavyweight tournament. But I like the names they picked out here: Mark Godbeer, Mighty Mo, Sokaju, and Jack May. Uh, James McSweeney is actually an, an alternate in there. Uh, but then on the card, they've got guys like Mike Richmond. They've got Estevan Payan, Ishe Smith. Um, so they, I just, I like the names that they came up with. And, uh, I reached out to Ken Shamrock to see if we could talk briefly about what he was doing and why he wanted to get involved in this. And <laughs> what the hell are you doing? Kind Ken? of. I mean, and you'll see in the conversation, I'm like, what the hell are you doing, dude? What are you thinking? Uh, but I thought his, I thought his answers were pretty interesting. So, uh, here is, uh, the world's most dangerous man. This is uh, Ken Shamrock. Hello. Mr. Shamrock, how you doing, sir? Good. How you doing? I'm good, man. This uh, this time good now? You all settled in? Got everybody sorted? <laughs> you know it's never sorted, but I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. Well, let's get into it, Ken. I mean, uh, jumping into the bare knuckle business. Uh, give, give me an idea of just kind of what motivated you to, to take this journey. Well, man, you know, I mean, I, there's a, a whole lot of reasons, but I'll tell you, ever since when I first got into to the fighting game, when I was over in Japan, I was opening on striking and the submissions on the ground, and I just saw that, and I was like, man, I had never seen anything like that. And it just in my mind, it clicked like, man, that has got to be the most baddest thing in the world right there. Like, how do you, when you know that, you got to be the baddest individual. I mean, it literally just clicked in my head like, man, that is it. And then came Bare Knuckle. Bare knuckle, no holes barred. And that was just another step from what I was doing over in Japan. And I learned early on, man, it was like, oh my goodness, how how professional and how strategic you had to be to land strikes, whether it was on the ground or standing up, on the precise of your striking, 
right. was like, I mean, you look at boxing, man, right? They got the whole head to target. But when you talk about bare knuckle, man, you got a, a square inch from the nose, cheek, and chin to hit a button. And if you don't hit that and you swing for the fences and you miss that, you're going to hurt your hand. And so to me, man, it was just, I fell in love with it. I really did when, when they had that and when they took it away in the beginning, when they came in, Tank Abbott put glove on, glove on his hand and I use this strategic uh, thought every time someone tries to question me about, well, that can't be safer. And I always go back to, well, let me ask you this. If you asked Tank Abbott, if he put a glove on his hand because he wanted to protect his opponent, or if you put a glove on his hand because you want to knock the piss out of somebody. Which one do you think he would say? Yeah, I think it was to protect his hands. Are you right? <laughs> I mean, come on now. It's like, I, I don't think it takes a brain surgeon or, or even a scientist to try to figure this out. It don't take that much time at the laboratory and doing all the kind of tests you need to to figure that out. And being a fighter and that have done pretty much all of it, I can tell you, yeah, maybe in the instance of getting hit with the bare knuckle, it sucks. But I'll tell you, in the longevity of a fight, I would much rather be going against somebody who wasn't wearing a four-ounce glove than if somebody that you know was wearing bare knuckle because then at least I know that if I'm moving my head and he's, and he's missing the target, I know he's hurting his hand. And it gives me more confidence to move farther along in the fight knowing that he's not going to be able to have the ability to sustain a whole fight throwing punches to my head. So, I mean, it's just, I mean, it, to me, it's, 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 it's a no-brainer. And I think any fighter will tell you um, when, you're, when you're actually throwing punches, if you're not careful, you will hurt your hand. Yeah, no question. Well, Ken, so, you, so you, you basically count yourself as a fan of the sport. You, you, you like it, but why get into promoting? I mean, you know that promoting is a, is a lot of hard work. It's a, it's a financial risk, uh, you know, and, and this to me feels a lot like MMA did in the early days where it's going to require some education, right? You're going to have to teach people that, you know, this is legitimate. So, so why did you want to get into the promotion side of this? You're right, man. I mean, it's an education. And uh, for me, I'm excited because, like I said, when they took it away, when they literally took it away and said, we're going we're gonna to sell this bill of goods as being safer by putting gloves on people, they took away the purity of it. And so all along in my head, I always knew that I wanted to be able to go back to bare knuckle. I thought we would go back to it because there's no way they could continue to keep doing this and selling it because it's not true. But they did. But now here I am being able to have the opportunity to be able to go back and be able to educate people on everything that I knew from that point. And so for me, it's a fun thing. But here's another thing, too. You know how many companies I built off of my name? And that when I finally got to a point to where they were done with me, they kicked me to the curb. They were done with me. And listen, it's what it is, right? What happens to everyone. But I also said to myself, you know what? I want to get on the business side of it, and I want to build a business because I built everybody else's business. So why now? Why don't I build one for myself? And so that's what I'm doing. I've got the education. I've got the knowledge. I've got the thought process. I have the understanding. I know how to talk to fighters. I know how to educate fighters. I know how to educate the fans. And uh, I know what's exciting. And so um, I'm going to throw my hat in there. And uh, I've never failed in anything. I've, like I said, I've been very good at 
being able to build a lot of companies up by using my knowledge of entertainment, entertainment and entertaining and fights to be able to try to throw that same thing in there as a promoter, as an owner, to be able to go in there and do the same thing as I did as a fighter and to be able to put on exciting fights, exciting matchups, and, you know, guys going against one another that I think would be fun to watch and for the fans to watch. So, like I said, I am throwing my hat in there, and I'm tired of building things for other people, and now I'm going to build one for my crew, the people around me, my business partner, and the fans. I dig it. Well, you, you hit the nail on the head, and, and I was going to ask you why these fighters, but maybe you answered it right there. But I saw this announcement. Uh, the first event is next month, September 21st, uh, Valor BK, Four Bears Casino and Lodge in North Dakota. But it's a four-man heavyweight tournament, one night, and, and the four guys you selected, Sokaju, Jack May, Mark Godbeer, and Mighty Mo. Uh, man, you know, action fighters, big dudes. Uh, th- these are going to be some big boys throwing down. How- how'd you arrive at these four? Listen, man, you know, there's one thing I know, and that's when I see guys that I know that can throw, guys that will go toe-to-toe, guys that have experience. And listen, when you talk about Godbeer and you talk about McSweeney, those guys have experience. Yep. Those guys have fought. And so I thought for sure those are two guys I really want in there. But then when you look at Mighty Mo. I mean, come on, man. You see his fights? That guy is a beast. <laughs> and so I wanted to put him in there. And I, he was a, he was a, a, a no-brainer because I know uh, his type of mentality and his style. And he ain't backing down from anyone. And so for me, he was a no-brainer also. And it's so could you come on, man. That guy is also a beast. So I'm excited about this tournament. I mean, we got some great guys in here. And, uh, so, and, you know, I mean, like I said, Jeff May even, like I said, he's got he's, he's another guy that could throw down. He's got skills. So, you know, like I said, man, it, <laughs> let's just see what happens to see whether I know what I'm talking about or whether I don't. Because I really believe that this tournament is going to be one of the best ones that people's ever seen. These guys are beasts, man. And I look forward to it. Yeah, no question. What, what, what's the rule set, Ken? How, how many rounds do they have to fight? How, how does this work on a single night? Yeah, it's three three-minute rounds. Um, we love these guys to go in there and have some time to throw down. Um, listen, man, uh, have you, have you, I mean, I'm sure everybody's kind of followed the almost the landscape of things that have been happening, but you look at the social media sites, people uh, doing street fights and all those other things. And right now, it seems like everybody wants that. Remember when the first UFCs or the old schools where people would scream and stand them up? Yeah. Stand them up, stand them up. <laughs> they still do it. <laughs> well, hey, hey, baby, hey, baby, that's what we're doing now. We're standing them up. We're giving them what, we're giving you what you want, and we're doing it with guys that are literally going to bang it out toe-to-toe. I dig it, man. You got, uh, what, Mike Richmond on there, Ishe Smith, the former boxing champion, Estevan Payan. I mean, you've, you've done a good job of selecting talent, Ken. I mean, is this, is this you know, your hand, or is there other people out there doing it? Or are you involved in this thing from, at every level? Listen, I'm going to say this. Richard Goodman has done a great job at producing these fighters. Um, you know, obviously, you know, I've had a, a couple guys that, uh, that I looked at that I wanted in that tournament. Um, but I tell you, Richard is the one that is the mastermind behind putting this card together. So, and when I look at this card, like I said, when I named all those names off, I'm not lying when I tell you that this, I'm looking forward to this tournament. And, uh, but again, like I said, Richard Goodman, 
uh, he's a mastermind behind this thing, and he gets all the credit because, like I said, I may have thrown a couple names in there, but he's the guy that really put this together, and he gets he should get all the credit. That's awesome. He's a good dude, man. I'm glad to, glad to see you throw his name out there. I've always liked Richard, man. He's a good guy. Yeah, he's been in the business a while, so and he's he, he's from why you know when I first heard uh, he was the best in the business, I was like, come on, man, people throw that that stuff out too much. <laughs> and then once he got hey, once he started working with us, man, hey, that ain't no joke, man. He's got to be up there with the best. No doubt about it. All right, well, give us give us the future. I mean, you're, it looks like you're going to make a big splash here in the debut. This is, uh, like I said, I like the names you guys picked. You did a good job. So, what's what's the future? I mean, are you are you hoping to, you know, do a couple of these a year? Is this something you want to do a lot of? I mean, what what do you, what do you see as the future for uh, for Valor BK? Listen, we're in this for the long haul, man. We ain't going anywhere, and uh, we got plans on doing uh, multiple shows, and we're already looking at our next venue. Um, so we're here and we're here to stay. And not only were we here to stay, but we're also here to raise the bar. We want to take this thing from the dark to the light. So it, like you said, when you said that this reminded you of the old USC days, that's exactly what it is. Because if you remember the old USC, when it first came in, there was still a lot of the stuff that these guys are trying to work through and, and, and different states are blocking them out and not allowing them in and all these different regulations, not really having anything sanctioned. So here we come right at that point in time where, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the new organization comes in, they regulate it, they organize it, they bring it from that dark, which is really not really producing the, the type of fighters and the type of professionalism that we need, the mainstream coverage. And here we come. We're going to bring it into the mainstream. We're going to get the coverage for it. We're going to be international, domestic, digital, all of it. And we're coming and we're bringing the best fighters in the world. We are, uh, first of all, man, we've been, I know that, especially since we've just been starting out this thing, man, we've been just humping. And uh, so we're excited for September 21st, North Dakota, Four Bears Casino, don't miss it. The tickets go on six weeks out. They will be on sale. They I, And listen, I believe they're going to go fast. So if you want to be there and you want to um, come to the show, you better buy those tickets early. Right, so Ken Shamrock getting into the bare knuckle business, and uh, as he said, you know, listen, he believes in the stuff. He he started in bare knuckle, and that's that's true. You know, he started before there were gloves, and this does feel kind of similar to me, which is why I was surprised he wanted to go down this path before. I mean, he went through the growth of MMA, where it was very much uh, people thinking that it wasn't a sport, that it you know didn't belong, and and I do see a lot of that backlash with bare knuckle that, that people say, man, this is. Uh, this, this is not something that needs to be out there for public consumption. So he's going to have to go through that education process again. Uh, and I, I was happy to hear him shout out uh, Richard Goodman, who's helping do matchmaking here. Rich is a uh, is a very good dude, man. He's been around the game for a long time. Tachi Palace fights. Uh, so the legendary organization out there. He's been the man behind that for a long time. So uh, a, a good individual in the sport. And I was, I, was, I was proud to hear Ken Shamrock shout him out. So uh, from one kind of startup organization to another – uh, I, I had a chance to talk to Sean Wheelock as well earlier today. Uh, he is actually behind, along with Uriah Faber, this new grappling organization that's going to air on UFC Fight, Fight Pass. It's called Kinetic. Um, and it's very, very, very similar 
to Quintet, the 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 promotion that uh, Kazushi Sakuraba started. But there are some key differences that Sean goes into, and it's actually kind of cool. It debuts next Friday, August the sixteenth. And if you're if you're an MMA fan, uh, if you're a, a roadshow listener, we will start the night in New Jersey on USC Fight Pass CFFC. Myself and CM Punk on the call. And then we'll transition right over to the West Coast when that show is over for this, for Sean Wheelock and Paige Van Zant on the call for Kinetic. Uh, but I like this. I love this concept. I was interested to hear, you know, kind of what the thought process was behind the concept and all that. And uh, this is what uh, Sean Wheelock had to say. Hey, what's going on? Not much. How you doing, sir? Really good. Let's get into it, man. Let's get into it. I guess uh, I guess congratulations are in order, man. You're, you're, you're launching this new promotion. But I do have to ask just right off the bat – Sean, what are you doing, man? You're you're already you know all over the globe. You got your hand in a million different things. What what motivated you to start this new uh, grappling promotion? I think I may have been concussed in training. That's <laughs> the best that I can figure. Why, Sean? I want to now be a promoter and a matchmaker. I'm not sure. I, I'm pretty sure I may have hit my head, but you know it does seem like kind of a natural evolution and. I've got a great relationship with Keith Veltry. Keith Veltry, along with Roy Jones, owns Roy Jones Junior Boxing Promotions, who I commentate for on Fight Pass. And I've also developed a really nice relationship with Fight Pass, executive producing some programs, packaging some programs for them, commentating a lot of their shows, developing that relationship even to a friendship with the Fight Pass guys. So I know how well submission grappling is doing right now. I'm I, I grappling was the first thing that I did in combat sports before before I even learned how to spar. I was mm. grappling, doing sambo and gi jujitsu. So I've been a hardcore on that for a long time. And when Polaris started doing shows and EBI and the early quintets, I was fortunate enough to commentate the quintet last year in Las Vegas that Fight Pass hired me on. So I, I'm I'm just like I was there watching UFC one as a kid on November 12, 1993. Um, I've been there watching the early submission grappling shows, kind of as if they've broken through closer to the mainstream. Right. So just in the conversations with Fight Pass with Keith Veltri, I thought, you know, th- there's an opportunity maybe to do a grappling show. And full respect to Sakuraba and Quintet, I love their idea. I don't want this to perceive, be perceived like a ripoff because we have a lot of differences in rule changes. But the team concept is cool. It works for them. And, and in a lot of different ways, it's going to work for us, and we can get into that. But talk to Fight Pass, talk to Keith Veltri, decided we were going to go in. Uh, Dry Faber is very, very good friends with Keith Veltri. Um, obviously, an incredible relationship with the UFC. He came on board as well. And I started by reaching out to four friends and offering them team captains. I had a list. I said, I'm going to go for these four guys. And fortunately, all four said yes. The first four guys I called, which were Anthony Smith, Chael Sonnen, Craig Jones, and Chris Lytle, put together a super fight. And away we went. And I'm really, really excited on this. I'm, I'm beyond excited, actually, John. Next Friday, August 16th in Anaheim, the day before um, Cormier Miocic 2, it's pretty cool. I dig it. Let me make sure I'm saying it right. Are we going with a – is it a silent K on the second one? Is it kinetic or, or connected? How, how are we pronouncing it? Well, my partner Keith came up with the name, so I said cool. Uh, he said, I'm going to come up with the business stuff. You come up with the fight stuff. So – he might be saying kinetic, but but I think we've all settled on kinetic because okay. I'm the one who has to commentate, <laughs> right. and I don't want Paige Van Zandt and myself to say kinetic, kinetic. 
So it sounds like a mispronunciation of Connecticut. So no, it's <laughs> Kinetic is what we're going with. All right. Someone who's probably really good with, with focus groups and marketing and testing and logos came up with the name. <laughs> no, I, I do like it. Keith actually showed me a bunch of names. I said, yeah, this kind of pops. This is cool. So I'll, I'll make the executive decision that we're going to call it Kinetic. And it's kind of cool, like Kinetic Energy. And, you know, I also like, I think there's a trend now in site promotions to have a cool word. My friend Shannon App does that so well with Invicta. I think it feels a little dated, maybe a little 90s, early 2000s to be like the ultimate grappling submission championship challenge, you know, just to have the one word. Right. I think is really cool. And so I like that. We did talk about that. Let's not call this, you know, the global team submission grappling challenge event championships. <laughs> I do like that. So the one word, so we're going with kinetic. So on a concept, you know, one thing, because I didn't want to be a full-time matchmaker, I went to the four guys who were first four on my list. And I think the next four on my list, they'll be getting a call for the second show when we do it. Said, here's the deal. I've got this budget. You guys are getting an identical budget. The only restriction is total team weight can't exceed 950 pounds. I'm not a great math guy. So I came up with that because I said, okay, well, Let's say the average guy is a welterweight. A welterweight walks at about 195. I don't want to make them cut to 170. I'll make them cut five pounds. So that's 190. What's 190 times five? Because I'm not very good at math. Typed it into my phone and uh, on the calculator. And hey, that came up with 950. I thought, perfect. Some guys are like, oh, can it be more? But I thought, you know, if we go too big, it's going to cut out the little guys. Right. So the fact that we have Joe Warren, you know, Bellator 135 pound champion, gold medalist in Greco at 132 pounds. I don't think Joe ever walks above 145. Uh, is pretty cool. Um, uh, Master Kara, the fact that he's in it, there's room for some of the smaller guys. If the weight limit was too high, you're just going to see really big guys. But I think the fun is to have the different sizes. Absolutely. So with the teams, with the team captains, those are really your parameters. Here's the budget. You guys all get an identical budget, 950 pounds. Get whoever you want. And we're seeing the reflection of styles of personalities and the competitiveness. It's winner take all. There's a guarantee, identical guarantee to the four teams. But then it's winner take all on prize money. No, no runner up money. Right. So no participation trophy. And it's not really the money. The money is good, and especially for submission grappling. I think it's it's really really good but a lot of these guys are extremely successful as mma fighters and have a lot of money it's the competitive nature of world-class athletes yeah they want that cool little medal at the end and certainly that they want that winner's check and the prize money but they want to beat each other so putting together the teams where we were totally hands-off i love seeing the reflection of the personality personality you see Craig Jones and and outside of Jake Shields, he's going with all uh, submission grappling guys. And Jake Shields obviously is an amazing submission grappler as well. And with Chris Lytle, that he's putting on Joe Riggs, that he's putting on Rico Rodriguez. You know, he's going with his friends and his contemporaries. Chael Sonnen goes with five Brazilians. I thought was very interesting. And Anthony Smith, you know, he trains at Factory X um, Muay Thai in Denver, which is where Joe Warren comes from. He went with his friends from Omaha and his friends from Denver. All these guys have told me, Sean, I'm going to win. I've put together the best team. It's pretty cool. I love that competitive nature. 
Well, let's talk about the concept because you mentioned it right off the bat. I mean, all respect to Sakuraba, and, and I love it. I mean, I'm excited about this event because I think Quintet is great. But I mean, some people are oh, going to say, I, "I do too." So, so outline what the differences are, Sean. Outline what the key differences are, and outline why. Because I mean, a, a detractor could say, "You guys just took all you did was take their concept." Yeah, no, no, and, and fair enough. And I think that people, and I, I knew that that criticism was coming. And even though I was hired and paid by the UFC to commentate Quintet. I was in some way associated with Quintet because I did that show. But this is full respect to them. In fact, I've already made up my mind. I'm going to acknowledge Quintet and, and uh, pay homage to Sakuraba on the broadcast. Mm. I don't want this to be perceived like anybody is ripping off anything because we're not. You know, if anybody's ever grappled and knows the concept of the shark tank, you know, I don't know who came up with that first. Probably somebody in a wrestling room in Pennsylvania or a gym in Rio de Janeiro. But there's an element of that. The biggest difference from Quintet is that we do not predetermine our order. You don't just have to have the best team. You have to have the best strategy. So it's a blind draw. The, uh, 10 p.m. the night before, the captains will all turn in who goes first to the mat. But we'll only know that as a promotion. Okay. So let's just say, and I'm doing hypotheticals, Craig Jones, uh, and this is not a hypothetical, in the opening semifinals, Craig Jones' team against Chris Lytle's team. Craig Jones says, I'm putting Lachlan Giles as my first guy. That's only known to his team and the promotion. Right. Lytle says, I'm putting Rico Rodriguez as my first guy. But then it's a full reveal. Lachlan doesn't know who he's facing, and Rico doesn't know who he's facing until the two step on the mat. Wow. Then, if it's a draw, eight-minute bouts, if it's a draw, they're both off. 30-second rule comes into play. Both team captains have 30 seconds to get their guys onto the mat and into our center circle to start the next match. If there's a loss, the winner stays on. The coach now, the team captain now has 30 seconds to put his next guy on. Quintet, it's already a predetermined order. Right. You already declared one through five. This, you have to make your decisions on the fly. If your team advances to the final, anybody who went in the semifinal cannot go until everyone else has gone on their team. Uh. So there's no way to hide. You can't put on, the, for lack of a better term, a stunt performer or a celebrity grappler and think that you're going to hide them. If a team has used all uh, four of their five guys to win through to the semis, that one guy left has to go before the other four. If they've used three, those two guys have to go before the other four. So there's incredible tactics involved. So Joe Warren is probably going to be the smallest, lightest guy. I think even smaller than Mancha Kara. You know, Joe Warren could, in theory, go against Rico Rodriguez. <laughs> What's that going to look like? It's going to be insane. Joe, I'm sure Joe thinks that he's going to win. Of course. But we're going to get that element of, uh, of danger, that element of surprise, that element of fun, unpredictability. I, I don't want to say freak show fights, right. but let's call it what they are. But we're going to get those fun. We're going to get those fun freak show fights that everybody loved in the early days of MMA, you and me included, and we're going to get those. And the tactics come in with the team captains. And this 30-second rule also, we want submissions. And, you know, Craig Jones is quite capable of hitting three submissions in a row. No right. disrespect to anybody else. Can Craig Jones, and I've talked to Craig, he's a really close friend, can Craig hit three submissions in a row when there's 30 seconds rest between bouts? It makes it a lot more difficult. So you are rolling. We have uh, our mat is 36 by 36. We have an eight-foot diameter center circle. For people who watch wrestling, uh, it's a 10-foot diameter in NCAA wrestling. We've made it eight. Call that the center circle. Every bout starts in the center circle. 
I also have MMA refs. I have Frank Trigg and Mike Bell as my refs. We're using the MMA stand-up rule. You can't lay and pray. You can't just hold position from top. If you're not trying to advance your position, they're going to call time, stand you up, put you in a neutral restart back in the center circle. If you go out of bounds, they're going to put you right back in the center circle. They're going to keep these bouts going. Also, Quintet uh, doesn't allow smothers. They don't allow heel hooks. Everything you can do. Every submission, every trip, every throw, every takedown. Wow. Interesting. That's going to be wild scene, seeing the uh... – the selections as they go on after a draw. I mean, both guys, I imagine, are going to be trying to look over at the other team, seeing, seeing if they can get a feel for who's going in to try to make their call, right? Is that, is that kind of what you're expecting to see? That's exactly right. So there's some strategy. Do you send in a guy almost to say, hey, I just need to tire this person out and be the worker so my next guy can get him? There are tactics at play. Because, again, you're eliminated either through a loss or a draw. And what's in a, when it's a draw, both guys are out. First team to have all five of their guys eliminated, they're out. They lose, and the other team goes to the final. And then rinse and repeat in the final. Once five is out, the other team wins, and they get that championship winner-take-all money and the nice medals that we had made, and uh, they get the bragging rights, of which I think that's the most important thing to these guys. A lot of people have been asking me, and I have to thank my buddy John McCarthy. Um, John's really helped me a lot with the rules and some of the finer points that, quite frankly, I just missed. I think it was asked, what happens if somebody is not ready and in the center circle in 30 seconds? Well, then then the penalty is you're stuck in one of three positions. Your opponent has the choice. Um, Seatbelt, both hooks in, full mount, or side control. So that's your penalty. So you have to be ready. You have to get in. No stalling. We have a foul for timidity straight out of MMA if you're just trying to run. And if you remember in Monty Python, Life of Brian, you don't want to have that where you're just running around. (laughs) Trigger bell, the referee will call time. They'll give them a warning for timidity, and they're going to put them back in the center circle. If they keep fouling, then they're going to get stuck in one of those three disadvantaged positions. So we're going to keep this moving. We all want to see submissions, right? In boxing, you want to see knockouts. In MMA, you want to see finishes. In grappling, you want to see submissions. Nope. This is being built to move. This is being built to have a lot of submissions. I dig it. Where do you see – I mean, I know you're just getting started here, Sean. I'm sure you're going to kind of develop things and, you know, feel it out as it goes. But what do you feel like is, is the future of getting this right? Is it bringing in the grappling specialists that are, you know, kind of on an entirely different level – or is it more of the MMA crossover because then you get those names uh, you know, that people are familiar with and that they're connected to? I want all of the above. That's exactly what I want. And I know there are MMA fans who are going to say, who's Mancher Kara? Who's Lachlan Giles? Who's Nick Rodriguez? And there are grappling people who are saying, you know, what business does Joe Warren being have on? You know, why should he be on this card? Right. Why is Joe Riggs on this card? Why is Chris Lytle on this card? I want all of the above. And the MMA fighters who are in this are really, really good grapplers. Go back and, and do a deep dive of Chris Lytle, and, and nobody can say he doesn't know Subs or Joe Riggs or the fact that Joe Warren was a Greco-Roman wrestling gold medalist in 2006. These are all superior grapplers. You know, I'm not bringing in guys from World Letway Championship <laughs> who I commentate. I think it's the fun, it's the mix. I want a little bit of this and a little bit of that. I mean, I would love to get in wrestlers. You know, it was not possible because the World Championships are in September. Uh, but if this keeps going, man, I would love to bring in Jordan Burroughs. I'd love to bring in Jaden Cox. I'd love to bring in Kyle Snyder. Maybe they get maybe they get heel hooked in 30 seconds. Maybe they don't. Maybe they, they strong arm and hit a head and arm choke. 
I want to see this open to grapplers, gi, no gi, sambo, judo, jiu-jitsu, um, Brazilian and Japanese, MMA, submission grappling specialists, wrestlers, freestyle, folk style, Greco. I want this all grapplers. You know, I'm our Davies boy, so I'm kind of channeling our Davies. <laughs> I want this open to everybody. And I think that's where the fun is. I think that's the fun. It's the unpredictability. What exactly happens? And again, I'm telling you on these teams, all 14 captains are convinced that they've put together the winning side. They really think that they have the ingredients to do this. And that's the fun. That's when the two different styles collide. I mean, that's that was the philosophy of our debut with creating the UFC. Let's not bring in everybody from the same group. Let's bring in a bunch of everybody's from every other group. And let's see how they do when they come together. No so about the future, I, I, went, I circumnavigated the globe to give you the answer, but <laughs> the, the, the future... If this takes off, I think conceivably we could do a show once a month. And what I love, too, is, you know, we have a lot of friends. We have a lot of mutual friends who are A-listers, A-plus listers in this business. They're competitive people who fight two or three times a year. You know, there there are some low-level and mid-level guys who are turning to boxing or kickboxing. But contractually, it's not legal and it's just not career practical for a high-level guy in MMA to also have a side job as a boxer. Right. But if they can grapple, which doesn't violate anybody's contracts because it's not a combat sport, and they can have a competitive outlet and something to train for a little harder and maybe do a small weight cut and make some extra money, they're going to say yes. And the fact, too, that maybe I can put a guy from Bellator against the guy from the UFC or one championship or M1 or Ryzen – I, I think that makes it a lot more fun. There are way in submission. There's a way in submission grappling to do some dream matchups that you could never accomplish in MMA because of the structure of the sport. But maybe we can pull it off in submission grappling. And if I can put on some fun shows and, and get my friends a little bit of extra money over the course of the year and something they're going to enjoy, then that's where I think that this could be headed. And and I want to be clear on this too. I, I hope that that this is the proverbial rising tide that lifts all ships. I hope that after this, EBI and Kasai and Polaris and Quintet and and Fight to Win and everybody else out there gets a bump from this. I, I don't. I'm not here to say, oh, we're taking over submission grappling. Just the opposite. I'm saying I hope that this is a show that really can showcase and spotlight submission grappling, and it helps everybody in this industry. I dig it, man. Well, it's 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 a fun. It, it works out great, right? Fr- Friday, August sixteenth, CFFC seventy seven on the East Coast. I'll be on the mic with CM Punk there, and then right when that's over, you can switch it on over. You, you don't have to switch it; you just keep it on Fight Pass, and then and then you go to the grappling with Kinetic with you with you handling the call. Sounds like a a fun evening. But if you if you have to make a pitch, Sean, if you have to tell people, you know, they're on the on the fence or don't know if they got time or their schedule's too full, you know how it is. You got to be selective as a combat sports fan. Absolutely. Why, why do they need to watch this? Well, you're going to see th- this this cross of all these different grappling philosophies. Like I said, wrestlers, MMA fighters, no gi, Brazilian jiu-jitsu gi specialists coming in. And it's going to be fun. This is a team concept. No one's ever seen anything like this with the strategy involved. Again, because the order is not predetermined. And 30 seconds on the fly. So the most talented team isn't guaranteed victory. You have to have talent and you have to have strategy. And I'm sure Fight Pass is not disappointed that they have CM Punk commentating the show with you, and then they have Paige Van Zandt commentating the show with me. <laughs> I, I think you and me are going to definitely take take a side to yep. that, that they have two of the biggest stars in the industry, biggest names in the industry, Punk and Paige, 
going back to back on that. And it's going to be a really fun show. I love the CFFC shows. I commentated one two years ago. Those are fun shows, too, and those are really good competitive fights. They produce so many guys who've gone on uh, to the to the UFC. Those shows are built to move. We're doing the same thing. These are fun shows. We don't take ourselves too seriously. This is going to be really competitive, really good grappling. I think you're going to see knock on wood a lot of submissions on Friday night, August 16th. That's a good buddy, Sean Wheelock, man. I uh, I like Sean. He's 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 a fight junkie like the rest of us, man. And uh, certainly, as you can tell, educated on what he's launching. And uh, I, listen, I I like the grappling organizations, and as he said, man, I hope they all continue to flourish because to me they're fun to watch. And the great thing is, man, like he said as well, these fighters can can compete in it multiple times. It's not it's not like a, an MMA fight. You know, this is a chance for them to pick up extra paychecks, a chance for them to stay in the spotlight, a chance for them to. Uh, you know, just like I said, stay in the forefront and make some extra money on the side. So um, I like these grappling things, and, and I love the team concept. Quintet, I like, uh, but uh, Kinetic is, is going to do things a little bit different. There's also one other thing that they're doing, and I talked to Sean um, off air a little bit about this as well. One of the things that was kind of weird that uh, that they did in Quintet was if it was if there was a, a, a big weight difference between the competitors, they went from an eight-minute match to a four-minute match. And I think the thought process there was that, well, we don't want the little guy to have to deal with this big guy for so long, so we'll make it shorter and easier. But the truth is, for a little guy to beat a big guy, I think he needs more time. He needs to let that big guy get tired. He needs to try to work the big guy and let him get exhausted. So Kinetic is actually, um, they're just doing eight-minute matches every single time, regardless of how those those teams get out there. And uh, I'm anxious to see it. We'll, we'll, I think we'll get to see more of what we wanted to see, which was kind of like the, the the freak show, little you know, little guy against a big guy, and, yeah. and that kind of. That, <laughs> that's what's fun about this to me is you know there's no there's no preset matchmaking. You just kind of go out there and do it. So um, I think it's gonna be cool. Next Friday, like I said, it'll be uh, it, it'll be me and CM Punk on the call for CFFC. Jessica Penne, part of our broadcast team as well, um, and then you can go straight from that to Kinetic. So. I think we should have a good combat sports evening the night before UFC 241. Uh, one person I know will probably not be watching it is Cold Coffee uh, <laughs> because you're on vacation next week, right? I you am. Got, yeah. I'm going to be up in Wisconsin. I will have internet, so I will still help be able to help out with the, the podcast. You, but uh, outside of that, yeah, I'm going to be enjoying some, uh, some lovely Wisconsin weather and uh, lots of uh, food and cheap Wisconsin beer with uh, family members that I haven't seen in uh, ages and ages. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So I'm, I'm turning off next week. I'm turning the brain but off we next wouldn't, week. But we wouldn't miss a week. 228 consecutive weeks, Cold Coffee. <sighs> We've never missed a week. We're not about knock to start now. Yeah, knock on wood. We're <laughs> not about to start now. Holy, I probably just jinxed us there. We're totally – something's not going to go right next week. That's that's on me. I'm going to get eaten by a gator yeah. or a giant <laughs> walleye or something. Uh, <laughs> all right, so interesting. So, so that's what's going on. So uh, USA. 241 coverage will be pretty interesting. I'll just throw, throw this out there. You're out of pocket. I'm out of pocket because I'm going to be going doing the, the commentary gig at CFFC. So uh, Dave Mandel, um, always a stud there, he's going to be helping us out at USC 241. Yep. Of course, Dave Doyle, uh, Simon Simano, they both live in the L.A. area, so they're going to be covering that card on site as well. Uh, the young Mike Bond is flying in from uh, Canada. His uh, dad, I believe, lives in Southern California, so usually those Anaheim shows, uh, kind of the same way I go back to Texas and see my family when there's Dallas shows. He likes to come in town for those SoCal shows, so he's going to do that. But I will be there for fight night. I'm going to fly in uh, 
after the fights on, on Friday night, I have a 5 a.m. flight out of Philadelphia so I can make it back to Anaheim. So I'll be on site for USC 241 to help with the coverage that night and then uh, try to figure out a little and-a-half action there as well. We'll have to for the pay-per-view. I, yeah. I, don't know how we'll, I don't know how we'll get your production magic out of that one, but we'll – We'll figure something out. We'll find something to make it happen. Yeah. You might have a couple of frosty beverages in you by that time. I will ha- I will most definitely have some frosty beverages <laughs> and probably some <laughs> s'mores and other little stuff that you do when you camp out and do shit. I dig it, man. Well, you definitely deserve some vacation days, man. You're on the grind as always. Uh, before then, we'll have Contender Series on Tuesday. and Yeah. You know how we Y'all do. better be on that pre-show. Get on the pre-show. Uh, I never said it at any point, I don't think, but if you like what you're in, go log into iTunes. If you if you thought about it, let this be the day that you go say, the I'm Apple going Podcast. into iTunes. <laughs> go to Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Leave us some feedback on there. Help us out. We'd appreciate that. Uh, if you've been on the fence, just go do it. Yeah, tell, tell, tell the powers that be at USA Today that the MMA Roadshow is the greatest thing next to sliced bread and that they should just say, you know, all day, every day. It should just put us right on the USA Today oh, front I page. It. I love it. That's it. Go to them. Do Tell that. them what's up. Or something. <laughs> In the meantime, thanks for listening.